Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Today, and beyond specialist guide Damon Pfeiffer is joining us on the podcast. Damon has been a passionate field guide and a mentor within the Pinder team for some time now. Damon, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Josh. Looking forward to it. Damon, could could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? I was born in, in Johannesburg. My passion for nature and wildlife, I guess, comes initially from my, from my family, from my parents and grandparents. My poor mom and dad had to kind of take me off to the zoo every weekend whenever there was a chance for it. All I really cared about was was animals. My, my poor mother, she had to sing me lullabies at night to help put me to sleep. But if there wasn't an animal involved in the lullaby, I didn't want to hear it. Didn't really take much interest in cartoons as a child were my staple. That was all I wanted to watch and all I wanted to learn about was was wildlife, mainly African wildlife, of course. And then from there, yeah, I mean, our family, we'd, we'd go on our annual trip to the Kruger and we've got other game reserves as well. Funny enough, when I was nine or 10 years old, we'd been camping at a beach not too far from, from Anbion Pinda, a little spot called Mapelan on the, on the North KZN coast close to the town of St. Lucia. And we were due to be driving back to Johannesburg. And my dad had heard about this place called Pinder Private Game Reserve. And he said to us, you know, shall we go and, and see what it's like? There's, a, there's apparently a room available for the night. So the four of us went and we stayed there for a night and uh, at, at, at Pinder Mountain Lodge. I'd never met a ranger and tracker before. My entire experience with, with the bush had been uh, you pack all the tents and the camping gear or you stay in a bungalow and you take your own cooking utensils and things and you kind of drive yourself around in your own car throughout Kruger, come back every night um, and sit around the fire. As, we got, as I got older and older, this is now post the, post the Pinder trip. I would take more and more interest in, in the maps and I'd say, oh, this looks like a really cool waterhole or this looks like an awesome riverbed. Dad, what do you think about driving here? There was also Granny in the back of the vehicle, Gran, who her and my late grandfather, whom I never met, when they were young and courting, so to speak, they would go off to Kruger. And let's not talking about the days when you couldn't go as far as, for those of you who know Kruger, um, the Satara Rest Camp. You couldn't go further north than that because malaria was, was still rife. And even going to Satara, you could only go in wintertime because summertime, again, malaria was too too big of a risk. So you couldn't go any further north than that. So yeah, she'd always then throw in her two cents worth about where she had seen things in the past. And she had an amazing memory for recounting the sightings that she'd had. And, and so that first, you actually interacted with and beyond from, you know, very early on from the age of nine when you first went to Pinda. Yeah. So so that as a, as a nine-year-old, you know, arriving here, Having never really had an interaction with a with a with a with a ranger and tracker before, you know when you when you stay in Kruger, if you want to, you can book a night drive where you get onto this enormous truck, and you each get given a spotlight in hand, and you drive around, and you can kind of shine your spotlight as you as you as you drive, and inevitably end up blinding herds of impalas unintentionally, of course. But yeah, and then you know those rangers obviously they 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 do what they do, but it's not quite as personal. And as interactive as going out with an ambient guide. So I'm not just saying that because I work here. I'm saying it because as a, even as a child, you know, I never really like these guys that took us out. I was like, oh, okay, you know, is this someone just driving us around? Meeting the ranger and tracker who looked after us for that night at Mountain Lodge was a life-changing experience. Since that experience, did you know that you wanted to become a guide? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I didn't really care much for superheroes as a child. Like I said, I didn't really care much for cartoons and things. That Ranger and that Tracker, those guys became superheroes in my eyes from just that one night that, that, that I spent with them. And yeah, it's a rather, rather profound um, in that I said to my parents, I said, mom and dad, I want to come back one day and do what these guys do at this, at the spot at Mountain Lodge. That was the, that was the wow. kind of impact that that one night had on me. That's incredible. And here you are as a specialist guide based at Pinder Mountain Lodge. Uh, yeah, Josh, I have to, I have to pinch myself every now and then. It's, it's, yeah, like I said, very, very profound. If you could go back in time, would you, would you ruin the surprise or not? No, I'd keep it a surprise, definitely. <laughs> and um, so had you guided anywhere else or was your first interaction as a guide yourself, was that on the quasi-ranger training course? Yes. Yeah, that was my first kind of guide training that I received. So now how long have you been guiding at um, Pinder Mountain Lodge? July this year, I'll have been here for four years. So yeah, a little, little shy of four years. Well, at least that's when I started in quasi was July of 2018. What, what is it that you love about living in this area and, and living on the reserve at Pinder? Pinder's a really special reserve. There's, there's all of the, the big five and all of the animals that most people from around the world want to come and see. There's giraffes, there's black and white rhino, there's cheetah. Uh, we see hyenas as well every now and then. There's an amazing abundance of, of large mammals. But then deeper than that, there is an, an absurd biodiversity here and an amazing feeling of as you drive across the reserve of just seeing the landscape changing. Uh, I often say to guests, like if we're driving up, if we're at Mountain Lodge, you know, if they're here for a few nights and they've expressed interest in wanting to go and see the north of the reserve, it's like driving into another game reserve or driving across the country to another region of the country. The reserve is just so different from north to south. The change in the terrain, the change in, in vegetation is really something special. It's, it's, it's quite ridiculous to start your drive out of Mountain Lodge, you know, in the, in the hills at the foot of the Ubomba Mountains. And then, you know, if you drive up to the north, you end up in this, this ancient sand forest with these enormous Lubomba wattle trees covered in lichen and mosses uh, and lots of different birds flying around and calling. It's, it's really something special. So that's the other thing is, is, that, is that diversity across the reserve in terms of landscapes, the diversity of bird life. I, I, love, I love birds and love birding. So that's a, that's a massive draw for me as well. The amount of unusual things here, like we said, the, the sand forest just in itself is a relatively unexplored and poorly understood habitat. And there's all kinds of new species that are being discovered in, this, in the sand forest and just in this area of South Africa as well. Like there's a there's a rain frog that's named after after Pinda. There's a a button spider named after Pinda. An earthworm that's named after Pinda. There's just this feeling that there's there's just a lot that's out here that we haven't yet really tapped into carefully enough. Um, so there's there's that feeling like that, that at any time something new could be found or there's something new to be seen or discovered. There's mountains out in the northwest of the reserve with all kinds of unusual succulent plants to go and look at if you take a walk around there. That's another another massive draw for me, and it's something that I really enjoy about the reserve. Another thing is the the conservation that goes on here, uh, and and how often we as guides are able to to get involved with it. Pinda is very well known for its cheetah conservation and its black rhino and white rhino conservation. So to get to get to go along with our guests to dehorn a rhino, obviously for conservation purposes, we often have to bring in new cheetah. So if there's new cheetah being released onto the reserve or if those new cheetah having now settled into the reserve because when we introduce them for the first time, we'll put a radio collar on one of them just so we can keep track of them to make sure that they're doing okay and they're not trying to escape and that they're all right. But once they're settled in, we'll take that collar off. And if guests have 
have paid for, for, for that experience, they can then get to go along with it. And we then get to go along as well and get to get hands-on with the cheetah while it's sedated and, and help out Pangolin reintroduction program that's going on as well. And again, for, for guests that book a pangolin experience, the ranger gets to go along for that too. When it first started, the habitat team needed uh, a ranger every day to walk with those pangolins, an armed ranger to walk with those pangolins every day. Because obviously that pangolin grows wherever it wants to go. And on a couple of occasions, I remember a pangolin led us into a white rhino, into a calf. The one night we were walking around this, this grassland in the dead of night, it was like midnight, and we heard a rustle behind us and there was a hyena close to us, maybe like 10 meters 30 feet behind us, sniffing us and watching us, following while we were following the pangolin. We had to kind of keep looking over our shoulder, make sure it wasn't getting closer. You know, they needed rangers to help out with that initially. So I volunteered. I even stayed for, for a week of my leave to walk with a pangolin every single day. So those kind of experiences, they, they don't come around often and they don't come around in every game reserve, so to speak. So that's that's another thing. And then I've given a long list. My, my other passion apart from the bush is the ocean. And in fact, where I'm sitting right now recording this podcast, I'm sitting in one of the guest rooms. And from here, I can look out to the east and I can see the sand dunes of the Indian Ocean in the background or off in the distance. So the proximity to the ocean here is is amazing. And it's a massive draw card for me too, because it's something that we can offer our guests. You know, we can take guests to the ocean for something as as, as relaxing and simple as a beach trip where you spend the day lounging on the beach and swimming in the beautiful warm Indian Ocean. We'd like something more, we can we can do ocean safaris and scuba safaris, end of the year summertime. We do turtle nesting safaris when there's loggerhead and when there are loggerhead and leatherback turtles coming up onto the beaches at night to lay their eggs. I studied marine biology and coastal environmental science at university, got my BSc in coastal environmental science. So the ocean is another passion of mine and to be able to share that with guests and then to actually get to go to the to the ocean, you know, if we have a day where we're not driving guests, the ocean is a is a quick drive for us. We can get to the beach if we want to go, you know, from work. Uh, and 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 for me, I think it's a, it's a it's a unique opportunity to to share my passion for the bush and the ocean with with guests. Like I remember having a set of guests um, a little while ago, where in the morning we spent the morning looking for. For, for, for cheetah, we watched a, a female cheetah hunting through the grasslands um, and then a leopard resting in a tree on our morning game drive and then spent the afternoon driving through the game reserve to get to the beach. En route to the beach, we saw a pride of lions in the road, had a herd of elephants cross the road in front of us, saw a white rhino uh, and then got to the ocean, spent the night, probably the better part of two hours with a leatherback turtle busy laying her eggs. We had dinner in the, with our feet in the sand and our toes in the waves, you know, under nothing but just beautiful stars overhead, bioluminescence in the waves in front of us, and, and, then, and then drove back to the lodge on the way home to a clan of hyenas. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know of too many places in the world where you can do that other than here. So That sounds like an incredibly diverse and wonderful experience that you, like you've said, you, you probably can't have an experience like that with such a diversity of things, you know, in many other places in the world. It leads very nicely into into my next question. And, you know, throughout the safari experience, there are many incredible moments that you as a guide would have shared with um, your guests. You know, the excitement of that first afternoon game drive, the thrill of searching for an animal, sunset drinks, and all of that that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And not only do you live and experience this with your guests, you also spend a lot of your life in nature and living on the reserve and living in the wild. So I'm sure that you are bound to have some incredible stories to tell about what goes on 
um, either with guests and on safari or, or or even you know behind the scenes absolutely yeah because there's there's always something new to be seen you you can never really have two well you can never have two game drives exactly the same because there's just there's too many variables there's too many things going on out here you know out out in the bush out in the wild you know sometimes like the stars align and and something pretty pretty crazy can happen a little while ago we were driving some guests out of mountain lodge and we had gone up to up to the far north we we had taken a, a picnic breakfast with us so that we didn't have to race back to the lodge it's quite a far drive and we were on our way back heading down out of the forest and coming back into the plains and we drove past a big waterhole and by now it was quite late in the morning so the sun was was getting up and it was getting quite hot and as we came past this waterhole there was an enormous elephant bull busy mud bathing uh, at the edge of the waterhole in a in a little wallow that he'd created for himself and he was using his trunk to slap the mud under his belly and onto his back and behind his ears so we watched him from a distance for a while and the elephant then kind of finished up with what he was doing and headed behind a bush heading towards the road and so we waited for him and waited and waited and he got into some pretty thick bush but it seemed like he'd already crossed the road we'd given him quite a bit of time so i drove very cautiously forward over the kind of the dam wall of the waterhole as i got to the corner Corner, I noticed that there was a creeper called a woolly caper bush hanging above our heads. And these caper bush have got some pretty nasty hooked thorns on them. And if you're not careful, if it catches your skin, it will be very painful. It'll, it'll, it'll cut you, it'll grip into your flesh. So I was very careful to warn the guests sitting on the back seats uh, to watch out for the creeper. They acknowledged it and they, they managed to, to duck out of the way. Just as I'd finished warning them, I looked forward and suddenly to my horror discovered that the elephant had changed direction and was now in the road only a few meters from the front of the vehicle. So I had to quickly slam the vehicle into reverse and then as carefully as possible, but also as quickly as possible, navigate the damn wall in reverse away from this enormous elephant bull that was now walking straight towards us. The elephant was relaxed, covered in mud. He wanted to go down the road we were on, so we were going to make sure that we gave him his space. I started to reverse and I shouted across the vehicle, everyone be careful, we're driving backwards, we're reversing, please watch out overhead for the branches. So I started to reverse back as quickly as I could and then I just heard this 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 shout followed by a, a roar of laughter from the rest of the vehicle. But I couldn't like look around to see what was going on. So I'm focusing now and watching to make sure that my wheels don't go off of the damn wall and we don't go into the water or onto the other side of the damn wall. And it was only once I was off the wall that I was able to look up and there in front of me, hanging from that the thorns of that woolly caper bush, was the the very fancy, what do you call those? Those trucker caps, snapback trucker cap uh, that one of my guests sitting in the back road had been wearing and it had caught on the thorns of that same creeper and was now hanging directly in the path of the approaching elephant bull. So then once I, saw, I started to laugh as well because I could see where the elephant was walking that he was going to walk straight into the cap. So we had to keep reversing to put a bit more distance between ourselves and the elephant and um, sure enough the elephant walked straight into the cap i was hoping that he would maybe notice it and try and smell it but he didn't didn't notice it and he walked straight into it his ear as it flapped kind of whacked the cap off of the off of the thorn that it was stuck on then landed on the ground unfortunately right in front of the elephant where he was about to put his front foot and so the elephant then proceeded to stand on this on this cap and absolutely squash it. But we are, again, we couldn't stick around to watch. We had to keep reversing away further and further. And it was then that once we had a bit more distance, we were able to keep reversing away from him. It was in that that we noticed that um, he was dribbling urine profusely. Uh, and that's a, a 
pretty telltale sign that an elephant bull is in must. And for those of you who don't know, must is a state that elephant bulls come into when they are looking to, to breed or looking for a mate. It's characterized by a couple of things, but the, one of the most kind of defining or distinguishing features is the steady stream of urine that he'll dribble out that's got a really pungent odor. And uh, we didn't see it at the time because we were trying to get away from him, but as he walked over the cap, he not only did he squash the cap, but he... he proceeded to dribble the urine all over the cap and when you when you watch an elephant it looks like it's dribbling but obviously such such a big animal a dribble is a fair amount of of fluid so i'd say there's probably a good a 500 mils or so of 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 liquid that must have dribbled onto that cap by this stage everyone was was really laughing and giggling and of course giving the poor gentleman sitting in the back of the vehicle a, a bit of a hard time we were able to keep reversing away and obviously once we realized he was in must we gave him extra space and uh, we were able to get off of the road he was on onto another side road and then we watched him from a distance as he passed and then once he was passed we drove back to go and retrieve the cap found it um yes looking a little bit worse for wear obviously uh, covered in mud and well imprinted into the ground under the weight of having a a, a six-ton elephant standing on it and uh, i picked it up yeah rather cautiously with my between my, my forefinger and my thumb and gave it a bit of a sniff and yeah sure enough there was that pungent odor of must all over the hat. Now, must, I mean, I'm sure you've had it before, Josh, as well, where you know you've been able to smell an elephant bull's must for even a few days after he's walked past it. That's a really pungent odor. Incredibly pungent. So, so we said to him, we said, look, I don't know if you want this back. It was a, a new looking, it looked like it was new. It was a new cap. And so he, he took it back. And um, amazingly, that afternoon, he proudly brought it back out onto T-Deck when we met uh, before our afternoon game drive. And he showed it to me and it looked, there's a couple of creases here and there and a bit of a mud stain on the whiter parts of the hat. But amazingly, he'd managed to get the scent out. So, so well done to him. <laughs> yeah, that's an unreal story. And I can just, I'm, I'm right there in the moment with you trying to reverse at speed while also, you know, having a, a ton of stimulus from all over the place while just trying to like watch the road behind you. That that elephant, he's the biggest creature out there. So yeah, you've got to give make sure that you give him give him his space. It's interesting because a lot of the time um, people's stories tend to involve a much smaller creature. Have you had any interesting run-ins with vervet monkeys? Not so much with 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 monkeys. There's another story that just comes to mind. For me, I had a rather profound experience as a trainee with a lion that at the time it was it was it was terrifying but there was a bit of a bit of a bit of humor involved that i couldn't quite see at the time but now in hindsight uh, i can i can chuckle about it it also showed me my place in this ecosystem i mean whether we like it or not this is where where humankind and we evolved along alongside all of these creatures these elephants and lions and leopards and rhinos and buffalo while many people who haven't been to the bush, you know, may see the, those animals for the first time and experience that awe or that, that amazement at seeing them for the first time. All of these animals out here know exactly what we are. They know how to behave around us. They've evolved with us and it's for their own for their own good to ensure their own survival and their own... But anyway, so this, this already took place. If you go far north enough and then head out towards the east, there's a beautiful open grassland with really long, tall grass. And then there's these enormous mounds uh, big termite mounds and uh, and big mounds of earth, and some of these mounds are so big that you can actually drive uh, over them. Uh, dormant termite mounds that, that 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 the roads have been cut across, 
very often those mounds, because of how long the grass is and how vast the area is, those mounds are a, are a, are a favorite place for, for big cats, especially cheetah and lion that like to kind of keep a good lookout around themselves to look out for prey, look out for potential enemies, but then also to, obviously there's a nice breeze blowing, they can lie on the, on the mound and have a nice breeze blow over them. The, the opposite in winter, if it's a bit chilly, they can lie in the sun on the, on the exposed earth of the mound without having the wet dew of the grass all over them. We were driving along and we had just popped out into this grassland. And at this stage of our training, we were practicing taking a game drive. So the one, one trainee would be in the, in the ranger seat driving along, pretending to be the ranger. There would be another trainee sitting on the tracker seat, pretending to be the tracker so that they could practice that ranger tracker communication. And then the rest of the trainees and the trainers would then be in the back of the vehicle as the guests, so to speak. And we had heard that there were two male lions that had been seen in the area earlier. We, we were driving along and we were told that as we came out of the grassland that on the, in the far distance up ahead of us, we could see a line of trees. And we were told that that's where the male lions had last been seen. So that's where we were heading. Anyway, so we came onto this road overcast. So very, very pleasant temperature, but there was a howling wind blowing into our face. And we got to one of these mounds. Uh, I, sorry, I was sitting up on the tracker seat pretending to be the tracker. The trainee who was driving called to me to ask me something. And so he then continued driving. And as I turned around to look back at him to hear what he was saying, we crested the mound. And as we did that, I felt it, it's hard to describe a lion's growl at close range because you, you feel it in your body as much as you hear it. So there was this, 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 there was the sound in my ears, but even more so was this vibration in my chest. I snapped my neck around and looked down and a few meters <laughs> from my feet was this enormous male lion looking at me, crouched up with his ears turned back, his eyes wide and full of fire and his, his lips curled back in a, in, a, in a snarl and he was growling at me. And it's this deep, booming sound that comes at you. And as I saw him, I, I froze. My hand, my hand locked onto the handle of the tracker seat and I, I couldn't move. And <laughs> the trainee who was driving didn't see the lion. So he kept on driving me further and further forward. And the closer and closer we got to the lion, the more the lion growled until eventually the lion barked and like, like edged a, about a foot or so further forward with a bit of a, a bit of a bark and at that stage the trainee saw the lion and then he slammed on brakes which made me then lurch forward at the lion which made the lion lurch forward even more <laughs> so there was just this this horrible um sequence of events of the lion lurching and then me lurching the lion lurching and me lurching obviously my lurching was interpreted by the lion as me charging towards him which made him more aggressive made him growl and snarl more and by now the distance, what was only a few meters was, was, was now even closer. I don't know how long then I, I sat there for. I sat there just staring into the eyes of this male lion. Yeah, it, 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 it surely couldn't have been more than a few seconds, but I don't know. I, it felt like forever. And I, I, I can't remember the exact, <laughs> I was in such, in such shock. I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but at some stage, I think the lion lurched forward once more and I then flinched. And up until then, I'd been frozen dead still, save for the, the, my lurching, which had been done by the vehicle braking, not by me moving. And when that lion 
lurched. I don't know, something <laughs> it was like blood suddenly came back into my brain and into my legs. And I thought I have to, there was a, this, 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 this crazy impulse, this, this, this impulse in me that I couldn't ignore that said, you have to get off of the seat and get away from this line. And so I flinched and, they, and everyone else in the vehicle said to me, Damon, don't move. I don't know if I heard move or what, but I jumped off of the, off of the tracker seat, diving for the passenger seat and made it onto the bonnet. And as I did that, our ranger trainer said to me very loudly and very sharply, Damon, don't move. Because of course, as soon as I did that, the lion flared up again and he came even closer again, still snarling and, and growling. So now I was stuck on the vehicle bonnet on my hands and knees, looking through my back legs at this male lion's face, and uh, and and yeah, couldn't 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 go anymore. And of course, um, that was definitely the smart thing to do because if you move, if you try and run away, that's the lion's invitation that he to to keep coming at you, so to speak. So then, yeah, once I was there in that very compromising position, my rear end facing the lion, looking through my back legs at his face, um, and then our ranger trainer said. Damon, you've, you've got to just stay still, stay there, don't move. And then very calmly, the, the trainee that was driving told him, start the, or put the vehicle into low range, into reverse, start the engine, and very slowly back us back down the road to where we came from. And so now there's me sitting still Spider-Man in the front of the vehicle, looking through my back legs at this line as we inch further and further back. And um, once we were a safe distance where the line relaxed and um, and put his head back down and went back to sleep. And we then drove behind some bushes, got me into the vehicle, and then went back to go and view. It turns out there were actually there were two male lions there. Um, and then, yeah, I went back and viewed the two lions for a, for a little while, had a lovely sighting of them. I didn't say a word. I'm normally, I can normally be quite chatty on a vehicle, but, yeah, couldn't, couldn't speak for the next little while. And, yeah, then, then, then the best part was we got back to, we got back to, to camp and um, and we all had a good laugh because there on the bonnet of the vehicle were these two handprints in the dust of where I'd where I'd landed on the vehicle. It it was an amazing amazing. It was amazing for me to see how that lion reacted to me, because he didn't react how a lion would react to a prey animal, or to a smaller carnivore. You know, like a like a leopard or a cheetah, which a lion would stalk up to and then rush at and try and catch and kill. Uh, the lion reacted to me like how he'd react to maybe another lion, you know, or a, or a predator of equal, of, of, of equal ferocity. And there's me, skinny little me, you know, and he was growling at me, threatening me, saying, you know, that's kind of his way of saying, I see you as a threat. I feel like you're attacking me. If you come any closer, you're going to force me to defend myself. I suppose that's exactly our place in, in this ecosystem. They know what we are and they know what we're capable of. So that was, again, to use the word profound, a rather profound experience to think that the lion viewed me as a threat to him. And this is now this massive male lion with paws that are bigger than my hands and, and, and this enormous head that, at least in my mind's eye, his head is like the size of my chest. Yeah, And that, that, that male lion subsequently became my favorite animal on this game reserve and he's still he's still a territorial male up in the far north of the reserve and very special every time i get to see him wow that's an un unbelievable story and i think you're so so right to say like such an intense um such an intense indication of i guess what we mean to the animals as well and it kind of it speaks very nicely into the whole reason why we're always 
um, telling folks not to break the break the shape of the vehicle, not to stand up, not to wave hands around or anything like that. And in some cases, why you know we make the safety decision to ask the tracker to come into the vehicle um, when viewing animals. But what an incredible story, man! Uh, you looking between your legs, Spider Man on a bonnet of a car must have been something that everyone still remembers to this day. Yeah, it's it's funny because the other day we were out on drive and I was with the same ranger trainer. We were on an assessment drive, one of the trainees, and we drove over that same termite mound. And as we drove over the mound, I, I mean, I knew where we were. Like I knew it was the mound. I never drive over that mound without thinking about that 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 moment. Um, it was the first time that he and I had been back there together. And as we drove over there, he gave me like a little like a little punch in the shoulder, just as a little reminder. So, Damon, you've already told us two incredible stories from life in the wild um have you got any other ones to tell us there's a lot of training that that we have to go through as 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 rangers before we're, we're allowed to take guests out and a lot of it is about as i said learning our place out here in the wilds of africa learning our place out here in this in this ecosystem but another one is uh, awareness oh, well, well no sorry well rather rather part of that is 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 your awareness is it's being able to spot animals uh, detect animals by using other signs or listening out for the for breaking of branches that could give away an elephant um listening out for impalas alarm calling that could mean that there's a predator like a lion or a leopard nearby uh, and then of course you know using all the tools that we have at our disposal to try and make sure that we don't surprise any any animals that we don't want to surprise or, or find ourselves find, find ourselves in in situations that we don't want to be in so to speak and so we got lots of different tools, like I said, the different animals out here that can help us with that. Um, ox peckers might give away the presence of a large herd of a herd, a herd of buffalo or a rhino or something. Um, we all have have ash bags that we carry with us to check wind direction to make sure that if we do detect something up ahead, we can make sure that we're downwind and that the animal doesn't smell us. We have our binoculars, of course, very essential safari tool, not just for getting a better look at something from a vehicle, but also for scanning while you're walking um, to make sure that there isn't something up ahead. And I remember one morning while out on drive, it was my first ever set of guests. We had gone looking for a mother cheetah and her three sub-adult youngsters. And they had last been seen on a beautiful open floodplain grassland down here in the south of the reserve. And we were one of the first vehicles out. So we got to the last spot. They were, we, got, well, we got to the kind of the edge of this ancient sand dune pretty early on and the plan was to then stop and use our binoculars to scan from there to try and and, and spot them hope we were hoping that they'd still be out in the open grassland as we got there i hadn't even had a chance to pick up my binoculars yet john the the tracker that i work with he looked out into the distance across the floodplain and he saw some wildebeest and the wildebeest was staring at something and he said to me can you see those wildebeest they're busy staring at something that's maybe the cheetah and I looked left of the wildebeest in my binoculars, and this is now super far away. And just through the binos, I could just see some little black tips on the air, on the on the tops of some ears. And I said, "Ah, that's the cheetah." Didn't even, but as soon as I saw those ear tips, I put the binoculars down. I was so convinced. I said, "Awesome, cheetah!" And I was so convinced, even that I called it in on the radio and I said, "Told all, all the game drive vehicles, we've we've located this mother cheetah and her three. We found this mother cheetah and her three youngsters." And just as we were about to then start driving down the down the hill into the floodplain, 
uh, one of the guests sitting on the back of the vehicle suddenly started to shout excitedly, leopard, 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 leopard. And we all looked and there right next to the vehicle was this young male leopard. And so we said, well, those, those, those cheetah are not going anywhere. Let's, let's follow the leopard for a bit. So we followed the leopard and it had been a while since a leopard had been seen in that part of the game reserve. So many vehicles were very keen to come and have a look at it. So we spent a short while watching him moving around and smelling uh, and, then, and then left him to then go back to the cheetah. So we left the leopard and we drove down into the grassland and the wildebeest were still standing there, still staring. So we thought, okay, those cheetah must still be there. And as we got across the, the, the grassland, I was now looking at these shapes that were appearing and they were looking a little bit too big to be cheetah. And um, we, we stopped when we were probably about 100 meters away and it had, been, it had been four cheetah we were searching for. Instead of four cheetah, there were nine lionesses <laughs> lying on the grassland, right where the cheetah had been. So then, of course, I had to bite the bullet of picking up the radio and saying, sorry, guys, it's actually not cheetah. It's, it's a pride of lions. Uh, and now you can imagine, of course, there's other vehicles that are coming from the other side of the game reserve to come and see these cheetah. And now they're getting told, actually, no, you've just you've got to turn around. It's not cheetah, it's lions. <laughs> but um, we still had a, had a lovely sighting of the, of the lionesses lying out there on the grass and watching the wildebeest looking at them and alarming at them, alarm calling at them. Um, and anyway, we, we left and went home. And it was a lovely morning. Um, we got back to the lodge. And I remember walking into the ranger's room with my rifle and our head ranger was sitting. He'd, he'd come back just before me. He was on the computer busy with some admin. And he said to me, he looked at me, he said, Damon, nice game drive. So I said, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. He says, oh, I'm glad to hear. Um, but there's just something I need you to have a look at quickly. I need to show you something quickly. And he stood up and walked over to our bookshelf where we keep all of our, we've got a whole bunch of reference books and uh, scientific papers and studies that have been written about the reserve and all kinds of interesting things. And he pulled out um, a, a book on, on, on mammals, one of these field guides that has lovely printed photographs to make identification nice and easy. And he came over to me with this, with this field guide. And I was a bit confused now as to what he was doing with this book. And I could see him scrolling through the pages and he stopped on one page and he kept flipping with the other hand and he found another page and he stopped there. And he said to me, I know that you're newly qualified and all, but yeah, there's something that I feel needs to be addressed before we go any further with this. Can you see this animal here? It's a big cat, but see how it's got black spots all over its body. It's got these black lines down its face from its eyes to its mouth. Uh, very small head in relation to its body size, very big chest, long, lanky legs, very athletic, lean, skinny build. This is a cheetah. Now look at this animal. And then you page a few more pages to a picture of a lion. See this animal. It's a much bigger big cat, a much, much, more, much more stocky, much more burly. Doesn't have spots, at least not those, those very prominent black spots. Got a much bigger head, much stockier body. Doesn't have those black tear marks. This is a lion. Please learn the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's classic. But you know what? At least at the end of the day, at least you and your guests had an insane safari. Yeah, no, it was a it was it was a really a really amazing morning, and it was one of those mornings where I remember, like I've told you the story, my the, the backstory about how you know how it was it was game drives here at mountain lodge with a ranger and tracker that that made me want to come and do this one day and that morning was one of those mornings where i just thought Yo, if i could only just 
tell nine-year-old me what it was going to be like in a couple of years time um it was yeah it was one of those mornings where i knew i was in the right place well damon thank you so much for sharing some of your some of your stories from your guiding career with us i know that you i know that you have some more but i think we might have to save those for for another episode because yeah the way that you tell these stories just um certainly makes me excited to hear more but thank you so much for for joining us today and yeah can't wait to to hear more soon thank you very much for having me josh it was a lot of fun and yeah looking forward to the next one thank you for listening to leave our world a better place don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode if you'd like to find out more about and beyond please log on to our website at andbeyond.com